0: Buddy, welcome to OK Talks, I'm your host Oliver Kendall. I'm a lifelong political nerd with an academic background in international relations focused on security policy and real world experience working in the US domestic political space and living in a number of other countries than my own, all of which combined I think positions me fairly well both to interpret for my international audience what's going on in the politics of my own country and to shed light for some of the folks back home on some events of note going on in the rest of the world there's almost nothing more American than accusing other Americans of being anti-American. So today I'm gonna indulge in that time-tested tradition as I do what I've done at other times on this podcast, call out some of the hypocrisy and borderline treason I've seen recently in the Republican Party. Yes, this is gonna be another episode where I bash the GOP. I promise the next one's gonna be about the upcoming Spanish elections. But before I move into the episode, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't engage in the content creator's ritual of exhorting the audience to, if you haven't already, subscribe to or follow the show. And most importantly, please share it with anybody who you think might like it. If you're not familiar with how to do this, all you got to do is hit the button with the three horizontal dots, select copy link and send it around. Thanks again. I really, really do appreciate it. Oh, yeah, one more programming note I just can't resist gloating about. Remember how in the episode of this podcast that came out last week, I was talking about Joe Biden's achievements and saying he was almost certainly the most consequential president in America since at least Lyndon Johnson back in the 1960s? Well, apparently someone was listening.
1: Lyndon B. Johnson is very similar to Joe Biden. How are they the same? They're both Democrat socialist. Lyndon B. Johnson was the majority leader in the Senate. Does that sound familiar? He was vice president to Kennedy. Joe was vice president to Obama. He was appointed as the president after JFK was assassinated, then he was elected. His big socialist programs were the Great Society. The Great Society were big government programs to address education, medical care, urban problems, rural poverty, transportation, Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, and welfare, the Office of Economic Opportunity, and big labor and labor unions. Now, LBJ had the Great Society, but Joe Biden had Build Back Better, and he still is working on it. The largest public investment in social infrastructure and environmental programs that is actually finishing what FDR started, that LBJ expanded on, and Joe Biden is attempting to complete.
0: For those who don't recognize the voice, that is banana Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, widely agreed to be the most insane member of Congress at the moment, if not ever. If you're not familiar with her, Google the words Marjorie Taylor Greene Jewish space lasers and see what comes up. There she is after apparently learning for the first time about what the Democrats accomplished under LBJ and comparing that to what they've gotten done under Biden. Or as the current president might put it, I'm Joe Biden and I approve this message. Actually, his campaign did end up just taking that clip verbatim and making a commercial out of it, which is hilarious. So with that out of the way, hypocrisy is a superpower for the modern Republican Party. Their get-out-of-jail card has consistently been to put a bunch of time in the bank claiming to be strongly for or against something, and then turn around and do the opposite of that thing that they were strongly for or against. Because, like, most average people have a basic sense of shame and want to attribute the same characteristics to everybody else. This works to the Republicans' advantage, because when they suddenly do the exact opposite of what they've always said they would, people almost have trouble recognizing it because it's so brazen. Like, they wouldn't possibly do that thing. They've said for ages they were for the opposite of that thing, or, well, they've been saying the opposite of what this looks like for a long time, so if they're actually doing it, there must be a pretty good reason why they would. See what I mean? Okay, so let's start with what's been going on in the military. The Republicans, for at least a couple of generations, have done everything possible to position themselves as the party of the military. They want everyone to know that they support the troops more than you do. If you, for example, oppose a particular military intervention they favor, well, it means you hate the troops. If you support American soldiers being held accountable for war crimes or something in the rare unfortunate instances where there has been misconduct, well, you hate the troops. If you suggest that the military shouldn't make up quite as large a proportion of the federal budget as they do, you hate the troops. Hell, if you're not offended by a football player standing up for the National Anthem before a football game, well, it's because you hate the troops. Republicans, bottom line, want everyone to know that they love the military more than you do, and it's the most important thing in America, and we must protect the troops. If you're on the blue team, it means you might just, say it with me, hate the troops. Whether or not there is a shred of truth to any of the Republican posturing about how much more they care about the military than you do, and believe it to be a sacred institution with which you absolutely don't mix politics, spoiler alert, not really, the fact that the Republicans have banked so much public perception that this is in fact the case is useful to them. Because it allows them to get away with things, like having a major presidential candidate who himself dodged the draft say things like, John McCain, wasn't a war hero because he was captured, or later referred to generals as my generals, as though the military is the personal plaything of whoever temporarily occupies the Oval Office, or then call those generals losers and babies and say he wishes those generals were more like Hitler's generals. It allows them as a party to get away with things like having a high-profile senator, who also, by the way, never served a day in his life, negatively compare American soldiers to Russian soldiers, just to name another example of which there are many. In addition to insufficient support for the troops, another thing Republicans simply will not tolerate is people politicizing the military, using it to push a social agenda. Now, to put that into context, conservatives have accused liberals of quote, using the military to conduct a social experiment on quote, every time in history that liberals have pushed to have the military not discriminate against certain groups of people. Letting gay people serve in the military without forcing them to pretend, as they had to before, that they're actually super into the opposite gender. You know, Them being allowed out of the closet would undermine unit cohesion, they told us. Consequently, that is the same thing that they said when President Truman moved to desegregate the military after World War II, and, you know, looking back on American history since the late 1940s, we do seem, as a country, to have survived allowing black people to serve normally in the military. Besides how fucked up it is to continue to be on the wrong side of the question of allowing anyone of good moral character who meets the physical requirements to serve, isn't removing unnecessary barriers to who can serve a good thing for military readiness? Like, we do have a bit of a recruitment problem. Isn't the military stronger when we actively encourage everybody who is able to to join up? Bottom line, in spite of what I would consider a whole bunch of evidence to the contrary even before what they're doing right now, The Republicans, for at least the last few generations, have always positioned themselves as a more patriotic than you are, b caring more about the troops than you do, and c considering the military to be sacred, a class unto itself, which one does not politicize to push a social agenda. Okay, so then let's check in on what Republicans in Congress are right now, at this very minute, doing to abuse the troops, politicize the military, and push a social agenda, and undercut America's military readiness at a critical point in our history. Something I'd have a pretty easy time calling none too patriotic. So there's a bill called the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. This is a bill that has to pass every year, basically laying out funding and programs and stuff for the Department of Defense. It almost always passes with broad bipartisan support, but this year, the Republicans in the House have stuck a bunch of amendments in there that push forward various parts of a right-wing wish list on social policies. Things like making it harder for women in the military to have access to abortion if they need it. That's going to come up again in a minute. Things like prohibiting libraries at military academies from having any of what Congresswoman Lauren Boebert calls, quote, pornographic and radical gender ideology books, unquote. I guess it does stand a reason that the contribution to the NDAA of a congresswoman who herself failed even to graduate high school would be to attack libraries. The bill, with all these poison pills in it, did actually narrowly pass the House, but there's no way that it's going to get through the Senate, which means we have a problem. Obviously, a bunch of time and energy will have to go into getting some form of this through both houses, but there is a solid chance that this, like, drags out for a whole bunch of time and maybe doesn't pass at all, which is, again, a problem. Speaking of Republicans gumming up previously standard bipartisan processes regarding the military and undercutting military readiness, have you heard of a guy called Tommy Tuberville? Well, he's the relatively new senator from Alabama and he's been in the news lately for, in many ways, being the face of the Republican plan to dick around with the military to push a right-wing social agenda. As I give you a bit of background about Tommy Tuberville, it's worth mentioning the context of how he came to be in the Senate. Now, It would be almost impossible for me to do this without bashing the state of Alabama, to a degree. And attacking individual states always used to be considered a faux pas, sort of impolitique, in bad taste. So to the various decent people in Alabama, and I know that there are many who probably don't deserve what I'm about to do here, I apologize. But you know what? This is an episode where we're talking about Republican hypocrisy, and this is something that they do all the time. Republicans routinely write off California, America's largest state, as being somehow not really part of the country. Their own vice presidential candidate in 2008 frequently referred to their own voters as quote-unquote real Americans, as though anyone from a blue state is like an uninvited guest. Hell, in 2017, former Attorney General and Senator Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III from, wait for it, Alabama, felt quite comfortable attacking a federal judge who struck down the first Trump travel ban, all because he was, quote, a judge sitting on a tiny island in the Pacific. That island, of course, being part of Hawaii, which is just as much a part of America as Alabama is, and, you know, where Pearl Harbor is. With all that, I really don't see any reason why I can't take a swing at the voters of Alabama right now, considering what they keep inflicting on the rest of us. Okay, so now we get to the reason why I preemptively defended myself before attacking Alabama for sending this goober Tommy Tuberville to the Senate. In 2017, the seat of Alabama Senator Jeff Sessions became open when Sessions was made Trump's Attorney General. In the special election to fill the seat, Republicans nominated a guy named Roy Moore, who, in case you're unfamiliar, well, Roy Moore has a long history in Alabama, politics clip-clopping around the state on horseback I know it sounds like I'm just playing on Southern stereotypes, but no, I do mean it literally. Pushing a violently homophobic and often racist agenda that surely was in line with the white nationalist and neo-Confederate groups with which Moore has past connections. As Chief Justice of of the Alabama Supreme Court, a position for which the people of that state freely chose this man... He got into trouble and was eventually kicked out of the job for putting up a statue of the Ten Commandments in the Alabama Judicial Building and generally for pushing that the Bible take precedence over, you know, laws. So, despite a long and very public history of being obviously unqualified to serve in the Senate, Moore was very much on track to get elected. That is, until late in the campaign when it came out that he had sexually assaulted several adolescents, or whatever you call 14 or 15 year olds, when he was in his 30s himself. Now, when Doug Jones managed to beat Roy Moore and narrowly win that seat, a bunch of my friends were like, yeah, way to go, Alabama. And like, okay, I kind of get that. But I took a rather dimmer view at the time. It's nice that Doug Jones got to be in the Senate for a few years, but really, what does it say about the people of Alabama that on top of what everybody already knew about Roy Moore and his worldview, it took finding out that he was a literal caught red-handed, banned from the local shopping mall pedophile for something like 50.001% of the voters of that state to be able to bring themselves to vote for a very moderate Democrat for senator. I guess what I'm saying is, it should come as no surprise that these are the same people that a few years later decided overwhelmingly to replace the moderate Democrat, who, by the way, was before both a U.S. attorney and a highly accomplished civil rights lawyer and an excellent and hard-working senator, with Tommy Tuberville, a football coach with no governing experience, who during the campaign failed to correctly identify the three branches of government, and is now currently using his spot in the Senate to block the promotion or reassignment of more than 250 generals in the U.S. military, up to and including literally causing the Marine Corps to be without a commandant for the first time in more than a century. So why is Tuberville holding up all of these promotions, you might reasonably ask? Well, remember how last year the Republican political hacks in black dresses that composed the theocratic supermajority that now controls the U.S. Supreme Court tore up Roe vs. Wade and with it the idea that women in America have the right to at least some reasonable expectation of privacy when it comes to what they choose to do with their own bodies? Well, in addition to upending a half-century of legal precedent protecting a woman's right to choose and thus throwing a bunch of the country into chaos as blue states scrambled to protect a woman's right to choose and red states got into a dick-measuring contest to see which one could enact the harshest anti-abortion laws, this decision by the court created a pretty serious problem for the military. See, people in the military, unlike most Americans who technically can, don't really get to choose where they live and work, which means that unlike civilians who could choose that they don't want to live in a state where they have fewer rights than the people of other states, military members are kind of stuck with it. There are, in fact, rather a lot of women in the military, as well as men married to women who might prefer to live in a state that doesn't ban an integral part of women's health care. So, under President Biden, the DOD has responded to this problem by offering to provide the requisite time off and pay for the travel expenses of female soldiers who need to travel to a state where they can legally have an abortion if necessary. But that doesn't work for Senator Tommy Tuberville, a man who, as far as I'm aware, has never worn a uniform besides that stupid visor thingy football coaches wear sometimes. So, he's single-handedly, massively undercutting the important work of the US military because he thinks the Biden administration's attempt to enact at least some modicum of protections for female soldiers is too cushy. And he's not alone. Here's Republican Senator Tom Cotton on the same issue. The military should not be paying for abortion tourism. My god, what an asshole. The condescension in this quote, like as if terminating a pregnancy is something women just do for fun. Can't make it this easy for the ladies to have an abortion, or they'll just use it for weight loss or something. I don't know. I I will never be able to personally understand what it feels like to terminate a pregnancy, but from what's been described to me by a few friends who have, I can imagine worse experiences technically, but a day at the beach it most certainly is not. And the way Senator Tom Cotton talks about this makes me wonder if he carried around this much disrespect for women in uniform when he himself was in the military. In any case, you decide whether or not blocking a whole bunch of promotions and forcing the Marine Corps to be leaderless so that you can make life a bit more difficult for female soldiers so as to show everyone just how anti-abortion you are counts as supporting the troops, or whether this is just another drop in the giant bucket of Republican hypocrisy. Conservatives would have you believe they support the troops more than you do. They want you to know they think the military is sacred and should not ever be politicized, especially for a social policy agenda. I don't know we're dicking around with the NDAAA to add a bunch of crap to try to screw over women diversity programs and the Ukrainians and blocking promotions fits into that, but... Before I move on from the military issue, I do just have to say that besides being wildly hypocritical, what the Republicans are doing here is straight up dangerous to America's national security. Both what Tuberville is doing with all the promotions and all these poison pills in the NDAA will massively undercut military readiness and prevent the Department of Defense from effectively doing its job. This at a time when China continues to a rattle about potentially attacking Taiwan and Russia continues to wage an all-out war on liberal Western civilization, democracy and really basically just look for any opportunity to be on the wrong side of something. <laughs> you remember Russia, don't you? That country that Republicans always used to hate and posture against. That is, until it rebranded itself as the global vanguard of white Christian nationalism, joined a competition between Uganda and much of the Muslim world to see who could be the most homophobic and then help put Trump in the White House. Speaking of Trump, a few more examples of just stunning Republican hypocrisy to point out. First of all, Donald Trump would never have become president had the entire Republican establishment and also for some reason, half the newsroom of the New York Times not decided in 2016 that Hillary Clinton in the absence of the State Department then having a system in place, setting up a private email server while she was Secretary of State, was the biggest, most egregious, and dangerous scandal in the history of scandals, maybe ever, because of the possibility that there may have been a few classified documents that made their way onto the server. Seven years later, we now know that Donald Trump intentionally filled box upon box with highly highly classified documents, up to and including top secret battle plans and stuff about the US nuclear program, stashed them in the bathroom at his country club, lied about it, and dodged multiple attempts by the government to get the documents back. Worth noting that back when the thing with Hillary happened, she testified in public about it over and over again and also turned over everything she had, but, you know. Three guesses which of these not-really-comparable document scandals Republicans think is the bigger problem. Spoiler alert, here's Speaker Mike Kevin McCarthy, leader of the Banana Republicans in Congress, on Trump being prosecuted for having clearly violated the Espionage Act.
1: What do they do now? Weaponize government to go after their number one opponent.
0: There you go. I could go on bringing up points of incredible GOP hypocrisy from just the last couple of weeks, but at some point I would need to stop to get a haircut. So. Just one more huge and terrifying point that I want to mention here, without going into too much detail, because this one almost certainly merits its own episode at some point. And besides constantly posturing to make sure that everyone, everyone knows that they are more patriotic Americans than you are, there's perhaps no single thing that Republicans want everyone to know, as much as they need everyone to know that they favor Limited government. Small government. Government that stays out of your business and leaves you free to do as you please. Because when government gets involved, they always just mess it up. Ronald Reagan once said, The scariest nine words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Not to be outdone on style points, right-wing anti-tax activist Grover Norquist once said that he favors a government that's small enough that he can drag it into the bathroom and drown it in the tub. Of course, just as with their, we Republicans care more than you do about the troops and would never politicize the military shtick. Their claims to be for limited government are also complete bullshit. At least as long as the Republican Party has been in bed with the theocrats of the hardcore evangelical Christian movement, it's been perfectly fair to roll one's eyes at the GOP's constant extolling of the virtues of limited government, since their idea of limited government, as evidence of what I was just talking about before, has always been a government that's so small that it can fit between a woman and her doctor or into the bedroom of non-straight couples. But that's old news. So then why am I braying up the small government thing amidst all the various other Republican hypocrisies? Well, have you heard about Project 2025? I spent a bunch of time in the lead up to the 2020 election saying that a second Trump term would be a profound threat to democracy and it looks as though the Heritage Foundation, a quote-unquote think tank which basically works to put the most harebrained, twisted, sadistic right-wing fantasies into policy that could be implemented, has spent the last couple of years making damn sure that that threat did not end with the 2020 election. Again, I'm not gonna go too far into this since anything less than a full episode on this feels like shortchanging the issue and this particular episode has already gone on pretty long. But just a few examples of what they have in mind as part of Project 2025. They plan to basically end the independence of the Justice Department, meaning the president could personally order investigations to be launched into anyone on a whim. They also imagine the president taking direct control of the Federal Trade Commission, which, not exactly a high profile thing, but for those who don't know, this basically means that the president would personally be involved with things like approving mergers of large companies and stuff like that. Imagine a country where monopolies formed on the basis of which companies spent the most money at one of Trump's restaurants or agreed to tweet nice things about him. This, in case you're trying to get your head around it, looks a lot like what went on in the earlier days of Putin's Russia, Erdogan's Turkey, and Orban's Hungary, as those men set about dismantling the democracies in those countries. Project 2025 also envisions reviving a practice that allows the president to quote-unquote impound money. That is to say, if Congress at one point had passed a law that requires the executive branch to spend money on something but the president doesn't happen to like that thing, he can just not let the money be spent? Possibly most consequentially, this plan calls for reclassifying basically all federal employees to make it so that the president, or realistically others on his behalf, can fire any career civil servants and replace them with whoever. This means prioritizing loyalty to the president's party over qualification for important jobs in the federal bureaucracy, which basically to me looks like a return of the spoils system which was in place before the broad anti-corruption movement that took place over a hundred years ago to professionalize the government. Let me just give some color to this whole idea. Let's say a CIA analyst has arrived at the conclusion that is inconvenient to Donald Trump, a conclusion that Trump would like intelligence analysts to stop arriving at. Like, say, hypothetically, they notice an obvious connection between what, Ru- what Trump says in public and something to do with the behavior of the Russians, which, you know, look bad for Trump. Under this new approach, that analyst could just be fired and replaced with, I don't know, some intern from the Trump campaign. Or let's say Trump brings back the separate the families and put the kids in cages thing they did in the first term to asylum seekers from Central America. And maybe a few of the Border Patrol people show an ounce of humanity toward these people. Now, under this new idea, you could fire them and replace them with members of a local white supremacist militia or something. Here's what Trump's former OMB director, Russell Vaught, who's been involved in developing this project, recently said about the whole idea What we're trying to do is identify the pockets of independence and seize them. Yeah, sure sounds like small government to me. It has to be noted that this isn't just being adopted by the Trump campaign. The people developing this are pushing for it to be the blueprint for any Republican who might win the presidency. How do you repeat some version of freedom, freedom, big government is bad, we respect institutions, we want government to be small and not take a very active role for decades and then come out with this? Better yet, how do you do that and then have people still want to vote for you? Look, I get that there are reasons to not want to vote Democrat, I've spent several election cycles tearing my hair out over the ways we've basically annoyed a bunch of people into voting Republican, with how our side often comes across as rigid and judgmental and holier-than-thou and out of touch and like a conversation being had between college sophomores in a dorm room at my alma mater trying to outwoke one another. I don't think this is actually representative of the party as a whole, but you know, I know we often come across as condescending. Hell, I just did it myself like 15 minutes ago making fun of Alabama. I mean, I also get that there is definitely some hypocrisy to be found on the left as well. I mean, for example, I strongly supported, and had I physically been in the US at the time, almost certainly would have joined some of the protests that took place in 2020 after the murder by police of George Floyd. But I also understand how our side might have appeared by going all in in support of mass protests, that is to say activities that grouped tens of thousands of people together, after having just spent months being the party that also promoted more stringent COVID restrictions and lockdowns. I mean, I can understand why we did both of those things, but I can also see how that makes us look inconsistent. And speaking of inconsistency, don't even get me started on the way we will go to the mat in defense of the rights of women, LGBT people, other minorities, anywhere in the world if there's a clash between the rights of those people and the forces of conservative Christianity. Which, don't get me wrong, is a great thing and I am totally on board with. But then we often stand mute when those same rights are trampled by conservatives belonging to other religions that we're a bit less inclined to criticize. What I'm trying to say here is, I get it. The left is not perfectly immune from contradictory thinking, let's say. But at least we have some consistent values. And insofar as Democrats are sometimes guilty of hypocrisy, Democrats are an occasional shoplifter to the Republican serial killer. I mean, my god, if hypocrisy were money, the Republican Party would be Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and Jeff Bezos combined. If hypocrisy were rocket fuel, they would have established a colony on every terrestrial planet in the solar system. If hypocrisy were... Now the hell of it, you understand what I'm trying to reach for with all these ill-conceived metaphors. Is there no limit, no consequences for being this disingenuous? I'd say it's pathetic if it wasn't so dangerous. And I mean, like, I know there are decent people who still vote Republican, and I know, as I sort of admitted before, there are reasons why some people might not feel comfortable voting for the Democrats either. But at a certain point the dwindling number of decent people left in the Republican Party have to start asking themselves if they can still support a political party that ultimately stands for nothing besides, in the short term, whatever they think will annoy members of the other party, and in the long term, accumulation of power against the wishes of a growing majority who oppose them. Cause that, to bring us back to where we started, feels pretty goddamn un-American to me. That's it for this episode of OK Talks. If you like the show and want to make sure that it both continues and grows, be sure to subscribe or follow it, like it, leave a review, and most of all, as I begged in the conclusion to the last episode, share it with anyone you think might like it, which you can do by hitting the button with the three horizontal dots, selecting copy link, and then sending it to people. I really do want to thank everyone who has done or continues to do that. It really does help. Also, as always, thanks to my friend Nate for having designed the podcast artwork, and of course, everyone else for listening.